The International IVF Initiative is a worldwide non-profit education project for the assisted reproductive technologies community, sharing scientific and practical knowledge for embryologists, reproductive scientists and anyone working in the ART community. Each episode will share an insight into the world of IVF, along with profiles of legends within the world of ART, latest news and wisdom from our community. Here's your host, Giles Palmer. Welcome to episode three of the International IVF Initiative podcast. And today we'll be sharing a remastered piece of history for you, an interview with the late, great Bob Edwards. I'd highly recommend, if you haven't done already, listening to episode two, where Jacques Cohen speaks about his relationship with Bob Edwards and is a nice introductory into this podcast today. To put this in context, Thomas Elliott, one of our i3 founders, first made a recording many years ago where Bob Edwards was in his house and it was hosted by embryologist Brian Woodward and it took place in Bob Edwards' farm. So here's Thomas explaining how it all came to be. It was quite a few years ago uh, we actually did a video. Uh, Brian Woodward went to the farm where uh, Bob Edwards was living and did a interview on Bob's uh, favorite subject at that time, which was about regeneration. And he was very excited about uh, regeneration and how potentially it could be used in uh, in humans or how it could be a part of, of the future. And Brian asked a lot of very interesting questions and Bob gave a fantastic video. So I was really looking forward to hearing from Brian how this meeting took place because um, on the actual video, that was taken, you can just hear a voice in the background. So I was really interested to hear Brian explain that he was awestruck when he went to meet the great man. So here's Brian explaining that day to us. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you with us. We are doing this podcast, okay, of the recording which took place several years ago, which we're going to play shortly. Could you tell me what your involvement was in that? Yeah, I knew Thomas. Most likely you know him from IVF.net and of course he's involved with I free and everything. And he looked at setting up a podcast group. So I sort of became the guy for the UK. And so got myself a camera and started uh, doing video interviews with prominent people from the field of assisted conception. And this was even before like, there was perhaps a word called podcast, I think. I know there's been stuff on, <laughs> it was in video format, basically, wasn't it? But it was very yeah, much... Yeah, it was, it, was, it was old school, but it was in colour, actually, Giles. <laughs> it started off because I was just finishing my PhD at the time. So I, I was one of these embryologists that became an embryologist. And then I, I saw everybody else getting PhDs and coming and I thought, oh, crikey, I better get a PhD. So I, I quit the field for a while and, and put my money into um, uh, becoming uh, a PhD. So I studied at the University of Nottingham. And fortunately, I managed to have Professor Keith Campbell as my supervisor. And he agreed to do the first podcast with me. Um, he's the guy that um, was responsible for cloning Dolly the Sheep. Uh, along with Bill Ritchie and Ian Wilmot. Um, so that was a really, I mean, it's fantastic to work under him and it was a really good podcast. And then we started, well, who else can we do podcasts with? And then um, we came up with the idea of uh, interviewing Bob Edwards. And that was like, oh, crikey, let, let's go for it. Um, you know, because he's, he's, he's the original embryologist, so to speak. Not only did he start the profession, but the first like clinical embryologist you know, was formed from his work, wasn't it? You know, he actually named him that. How did you approach the great man? Definitely via Kay Elder, Prof Kay Elder. And I, I've been working with Kay for a bit, um, did various lectures at Bourne Hall, etc. And so I think it was either myself or Thomas approached Kay, and Kay very kindly set up the meeting. Um, and it was at the home of RBM Online at the time, uh, which um, I think was in... 
is it Duck End Farm in Cambridgeshire? That does seem to ring a bell, but if anyone sees the video of the interview, they'll see it's a very, like, rural place. So <laughs> did you just, like, rock up there and, and see the man or what? <laughs> it, it's, it's uh, yeah. So I thought, okay, crikey, this is, this is Bob Edwards. Like, he's, he's the original dude. So um, I actually went out and updated my suit, got myself in a shirt and tie and all that jazz. I didn't have a sat-nav, so I remember finding out where this, I'm pretty sure it was Duck End Farm, where it was by the postcode, and then I, I drove there. It was raining, uh, and I remember going into rural Cambridgeshire, and eventually, after a few wrong turns, finding the farm. And then I remember getting out of the car and ringing the bell, and then I met Bob Edwards, he answered the door. He just went, Brian, ah, oh, you must be Brian. Brian shook my hand. Come and see the trees. And uh, I was like, uh, okay. So we went off into his garden, which was like a quite a big area. And he started showing me various trees and various moats that he'd been working on. Um, and uh, it was still raining slightly. And I'm getting all this mud up my suit. And I'm thinking, this isn't how I wanted it to be. <laughs> um but he was just a really regular guy, a very friendly guy, and just a normal guy. And that was the great thing. He put me at my ease straight away. And um, despite mud up my suit legs, um, my trouser legs, he was just a really good guy. So then we came in, met with Kay, and then sat down, set up the video camera, and did the interview. That's a great story. And I mean, the people that have met him have said just that, you know, just what an approachable guy he was. I think he has animals on the farm, maybe goats as well, I think. This is a story here. Yeah, I didn't see any animals. Um, I just saw trees. He was really into his trees. And, and why not? Yeah. Well, of course not. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he wasn't like perhaps what you expected when you first saw him. Yeah. Is there, is there anything else that you took away from the meeting, do you think? Just that... A very approachable, approachable guy. I mean, obviously, I've read up on the history of him. I, I, I've been an embryologist since, oh, crikey, um, 1990. I'm that old. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I'd seen him at meetings. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just um, really good to speak to him. And interestingly, um, one of the first studies I did was I was looking at um, pyruvate uptake in embryos in the natural cycle. I studied in Sheffield Fertility Centre. That's where I learned my my embryology trade and we were doing natural cycle IVF so just the one egg and we were putting the embryo into a four microliter droplet if you can believe that and you had a control droplet you put the embryo the zygote in there for 24 hours and then we'd move the zygote onto another droplet and we would take up the two media and then we would I would we would freeze them and then I'd, I'd drive up to the University of York and see Prof Henry Lees. That's um, right Henry Lees yeah. Yeah and and um, and he'd uh, his team would do the assays and it was just interesting because Bob apparently did a very similar thing um, when he was doing his embryology. He was looking at substrate uptake and he would go and drive to, to York, the University of York, with these pros. And I'm like, hey, I'm doing the same thing that, that Prof Edwards did. <laughs> um, so it's just it's great. And he was, at the end of the day, uh, an embryologist. But of course, what he went through, you know, is, is just amazing, you know. Yeah, like, you know, like all the hardship you had to get it set up and, of course, having to go to Oldham to actually complete okay, the work he started years and years ago, of course, with the rabbit embryos. And the way he thought, I mean, he was he was very, very forward thinking. And it comes out in this interview, perhaps, when he talks about regeneration. Well, yeah, this is the thing, is that he was sharp as a button. So, like, I'm there talking to him. He's talking about this, this paper on um, embryonic stem cells. Um, and he was so excited about these MRLL mice. And um, I didn't know anything about, you know, what's an MRL mice? And I found out it's a Murthy Roth's uh, large strain 
mouse that's specifically got this regenerative tissue. But he was he was so excited and he's like, Brian, imagine you can put a hole in the ear of this mouse and it grows back without any scar tissue. And he's he's excited and he he brings you along with that excitement. And it that must have been how he was throughout the whole of sure, the yeah. Yeah. setting up IVF and, and you wouldn't have helped but be inspired by that sure yeah and I remember hearing, hearing him talk about you know even when like ICSI started and you know the way that his mind was span ahead and you know he could see other things happening and other developments it was quite poignant that you know he talks about regeneration and about brain dementia which later on he came on to suffer from so I thought that was very poignant in his interview yeah yeah and also one thing about him was he, he was very caring because I think his wife was called Ruth and I remember him calling out to her at one point and they were, they were talking to her through, through the door. And it was just, he's just a, a family guy, a, a superb scientist, everything really. It sounded like a great experience that young Brian had. And it sounded as though Bob Edwards was a real genuine guy as well. So now on to the audio. Now, before we hear the conversation, um, the audio is from a video which has been remastered. And the questions weren't asked, they just appeared on the screen. So you'll hear me asking those questions and you'll hear Bob replying. Now, without further ado, let's hear Bob speak. What are stem cells? Stem cells develop and grow. Most of them probably call the inner cell mass of the blastocyst. The blastocyst is a round structure with on the outside a single layer of cells called trophectoderm, which forms the placenta. And inside there's a group of cells called inner cell mass, which forms the tissues of the body. And uh, in Glasgow, in, uh, let's see, when was it, 1963, uh, uh, my colleagues John Paul and Robin Cole and I took out the inner cell mass and blew it in vitro. And to our amazement, if we left it with cells underneath it, which are feeding it, it formed blood islands, muscle, uh, connective tissue, every tissue in the body, and we're saying to each other, what the hell's going on? These are growing forever. Moreover, if you take them separately, don't put the stuff in the cells to support them, you just grow them separately. They divided and divided and divided. We said, they're immortal. We said to them, it's, it's unbelievable. Nobody will believe what we've said. When was regeneration first discovered? It's repaired, it's discovered... Uh, is it by Spallanzani, the Italian? And he and he uh, he found Salamanders did this, and he, and they had they had a pond, and Salamanders swimming in it, and what get rid of them? So they went and started cutting their legs off and things, and, you know, hitting them on the head and things. Okay. And then they were went and then around a week later, they found were more there than when they'd started. But now the now the Salamanders are unusual. Uh, because like other species, of which are all grouped together and called Eurodeals, they all have one characteristic, and that is that if you jump off their legs or their tails or whatever, they can repair them again. Do MRI mice live longer? I think you'll have to ask Dr. Heber Katz for that. We know, we know they live long. their tissues live longer. But whether the whole animal lives longer would be a very good question. Why can't we do this in humans? Why can't you do this in humans? And everybody said no, until one person found that when you looked at a fetus, if he clipped off the fingertip, it grew again. So we knew now that the humans 
could grow like a sunrise. But the reason was, why don't they? And the answer's got to be that the two species have the same genes, but in the human, it still may have been cut off. Then to everybody's surprise, they found or suspected it may be due to be RNAi, which is suppresses DNA activity, or it may be changes in chromatin in your cells, which is a very fast-acting compound and very reliable. He was then asked, what is the difference between stem cells and blastomer cells? The stem cells develop from the inner cell mass, That's right. where the blastema develops from a group of cells that form a little uh, group of uh, tissue at the top. Then they, then they multiply when they get a stimulus from below. So the two are not quite the same. They probably have the same endpoint, but they are different in how they originate. If we could reprogram the human genome to create blastemas when injuries occur, then is stem cell therapy really necessary? I've often wondered. I suppose a blastema does something, but it can't repair it. For example, suppose you get a, blast- a mouse, a mouse with a gene defect, and then it goes and repairs itself. I wonder if you put in stem cells in there. You could repair the mouse again by a different route. And in fact, I think that's the way it will go. Not, not only stem cells, but also uh, what you call stem cells from the uh, cord, blood, cord blood stem cells. They're very, uh, they're like an embryo stem cells. And also by what they call tissue stem cells, which are taken from different tissues in the ordinary body, and they will draw into stem cells mm-hmm. as well. If regeneration can happen in the human, could that lead to immortality? I think it could. I think it could. We don't know what's in the future. Look at look how we've moved in stem cells in about 30 years. I, I think everything's possible. Can regeneration happen in all organs, even the brain? Oh, this is not a fundamental question. Because mm-hmm. you start fiddling around with the brain, then you're in control of things like memory and love and hatred, you know. See, that's a picture. That's a blasphemer. Mm-hmm. With all the stem cells there. Right. This is connective tissue and this blood vessels in the end. In the things. And this here is the limb. And the question is, it says the mature limb harbors a gradient of positional information. Mm-hmm. As you go along there, mm-hmm. what's what's where you cut it off starts to remember what it was there before. Which is miraculous mm-hmm. to me. Well if you go to the brain and say the same thing, if you can restore all these things. Mm-hmm. If this is the brain, could these things have memory? But that's the... I don't think you need a psychologist, I think you just got to start at the beginning there. Okay. Just do it on mice. And maybe then able to show some intelligence if we can't see exactly what else. Something you can measure exactly, where you've got the northern genes and everything, then we may be doing it. What is the difference between stem cells and cancer cells? Very little difference, I would say. Because we know very well that when you look at many cancers, you find in there that they have formed all sorts of different tissues uh, within themselves. Uh, and, and these, of course, are ones that will cause fatalities and lead to death. Now, in the stem cells, they grow from inner cell mass, which is perfectly normal. And, and by our efforts to take them out, and uh, of course, this is very artificial. Can stem cells move and migrate to where they are needed? Well, this. Uh, but a lot of debate about this, because there are very well-known pathways. For example, uh, uh, the, when, a, when the sperm is being formed, 
the very early stages are formed in the embryo, but they migrate through different tissues of the embryo, then they finally end up on what we call the genital bridge, which is the precursor of the testis of the ovary, you see. And therefore, we know that, that the stem cells can move and migrate. It, it, there seems to be a neck of the stem cell to find its way home all by itself. Well, that was fascinating. I really hope you enjoyed that. And I really want to hear what you thought of our first three episodes. Why not leave it a review in Apple Podcast and even give us five-star rating? Why not? Go crazy. Please leave it a review. That's the best way that people know we're here. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Be sure to visit ivfmeeting.com where you can watch our back catalogue of webinars. Plus, you can sign up for future ones, download our electronic membership card and find all our social media so we can stay in touch. <laughs>